Brother Dave, what do your bees do this time of year? They just like go to sleep early or what? Working real hard? Uh, amen, I agree. I, I remember when we when we were doing a lot of logging, come August 1st, you knew it was August 1st because then yellow jackets would just, man, they just usually get your first chase through the woods about the first week of August. And then from then on. Second Timothy chapter one. Glad you came this morning. That's New Testament, right? <laughs> you ever look at your Bible and like I'm not sure where anything is at. <laughs> okay, just me. All right, you pray for me. It's rough. All right, now we left off on verse uh, ten. Verse 10, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, the <clears throat> Bible says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we sure love you. And Father, we're thankful, Lord, for the King James Bible. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here safely. Thank you, Lord, for the, the weather, the change of seasons. Lord, the warm days, later days, and the cool nights, and the cold mornings, and Father, we thank you for it. There's a reason we moved up to the north. I know some of us were raised here and some of us moved here, but Father, it's a beautiful place to be. I pray that you'd be with our people this morning, Lord. I pray that you'd arouse them up, encourage them, stir them up. I know many of the people are probably on their way to come here this morning. I pray that you give them a safe travel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's back it up just uh, one verse here. Go back to verse 9. We'll get the whole thing in context here. He says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, uh, but not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, uh, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel. Amen. So verse 10 says, He hath abolished death. That means He took it away. He took it away. Now look at Hebrews chapter 2 real quick here. Run just a couple verses on that. He took it away. He abolished death. Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 14. Uh, one fellow said there's over 60,000 cross-references in the Bible, and to me that sounds light. It does. It sounds really light. Um, but uh, this book is inexhaustible, inexhaustible. And if you've ever done any Bible study at all, you'll start, let's say you'll start at point A, and within 30 minutes, you're not even, you're not even where you started. That's, that's, that's a great book. Um, I mean, if you're going to cross-reference, a, you know, a Western novel or you know, one of those choose-your-own-adventures, you got about 15 options, and that's it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You see that? All right, so you'll hear people from time to time, uh, you'll try to witness to them, maybe family members, and they've had a rough go at it, and they'll say, well, I'm mad at God, he uh, killed my grandma. 
or uh, I don't know, God, he's, if he's such a loving God, why'd he let you know, my baby die? And uh, so forth and so on. But I want you to realize there, you know who's got the power of death? It's the devil. See it? Now, the devil only gets to uh, keep what you give him. Does that make sense? If you're saved, he takes your body and he kills your body with the Lord's permission. That's Job chapter 1 and 2. The Lord sets the parameters all that. Uh, but if you're unsaved and you die, not only does the body go on the ground and die, he kills you physically, but then he takes your soul. And the soul goes down because there's nothing to take it up. All right? <clears throat> so uh, next time someone says uh, that God killed this person and God killed that person, and you say, well, uh, you know, you, you might consider that it's not God you should be mad at. You should be mad at the devil. That's a good person to be mad at, ain't it? I mean, be angry and sin not, amen? <laughs> but be mad at the devil. But uh, look at John chapter 16. I'll show you this one here. John chapter 16. A lot of people blame the Lord for what the devil's doing. <clears throat> John chapter 16 and verse 11. I want you to see what Jesus did here in John Notice the verse markings, 16.11. All right, John 16.11, the Bible says of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. And the prince of this world is who? That's the devil. All right, and that is when the Lord does away with the devil. Now, now he doesn't actually do away with him at that point in time in history, but that point in time in history at Calvary is when the devil's judged. And uh, the devil's judged there at the cross. And back in 2 Timothy uh, 1.10, our text here, it says, Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So he abolished death and he brought life. Now we know, according to Revelation chapter 20, that death is not put away till then. Amen? All right. But God Almighty brought life and immortality to light. He manifested it. You say, what did he manifest? He manifested life and immortality. That means not to die. And you say, how did he bring it? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You've got to realize that the way he brought life and immortality to light is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how he brought it. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 54. Bible says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Chuck, grab me this fan up here, would you? So Christ brought immortality and life through the Gospels, uh, through the Gospel. And uh, you got to remember, the Old Testament saint had to wait for life and immortality where? In Abraham's bosom, you remember that? They had to wait for it. You know, if you know some of these Bible-believing brethren today, God love them and they're saved and they'll be our brothers and sisters in Christ, but they said everyone in the Old Testament is saved the same way we are in the New Testament. Well, that's the case. Why were they waiting in Abraham's bosom? Because he hadn't brought life yet. And, uh, of course, you know, you go back to creation. We've covered this thing a handful of times. And uh, when does life appear on the creation of the earth? It's after the fourth day, right? So we've gone through this thing before. 
if there's what? 4,000 years of recorded history, correct? Right? Let's say this is uh, 4,000 BC. And we'll say that's zero, right? We understand that Usher puts it at four. We understand the calendar discrepancies, but we're not, we're just trying to make a point here. But if the Lord counts by thousands, right? All right, first day, second day, third day, fourth day. So then between the fourth and fifth day, you have what? You have Jesus Christ. You have life appear. And you see over there in Genesis chapter 1, I believe it's around 20 to 22, that life doesn't appear until after the fourth day. So he follows his own word. And, uh, but you can't have people getting saved the same way. Why? These people here, they had to go into Abraham's bosom. And they had to wait. You ever stop and think about the Lord Jesus Christ being in the garden, garden of Gethsemane, and sweating, as it were, great drops of blood? He didn't have to go through with it, did he? But you know what I think he was saying? Everyone's like, well, he, he was thinking about me. Well, maybe he was. But you ever stop and think he was thinking about all these people down here that would never get out? He didn't go through with it? They were stuck down there. And if he didn't go through it, he couldn't go down into the depths of the earth and uh, lead captivity captive. They were captive. And so when he goes down in the most parts of the earth there in First Peter, or Ephesians, he gets down there and he preaches to those uh, who are in prison down here, the other side of Abraham's bosom, and say, hey, I hate to tell you this, but you suckers aren't getting out. And then he takes these guys here and he leads them up at the resurrection. And he takes them up and he puts paradise up in the third heaven. That's why he tells the thief on the cross, this day shalt thou be with me in... He wasn't going down. He did go down, but he went down. He said, let's go, boys, and he went back up. And he took that whole thing. He empties out Abraham's bosom. It's now empty. You say, why didn't he do away with it? Because it will be used again during the tribulation. But he took that whole thing, and he led captivity captive. He put paradise up in the third heaven. That's why when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul goes up to the what? third heaven, right? When he stoned at Lystra, he says, I knew a man in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Because paradise is now up in the third heaven. He emptied that thing out, and uh, those people down here, they could not, they could not get out until life was given. And that's what Paul's saying there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. That he brought life and immortality, and he brought it through the gospel. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And the Old Testament saint had to wait for life and immortality in Abraham's bosom, and he had to wait until Christ brought it to light. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 real quick. Just touch this and move on. I'm pretty sure you got it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, but all things, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. I'll give you another one, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. You had to wait until Christ brought it to light. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We'll hit 3 and 10. 
The Bible says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord. Oh, wait a minute. I want, is that what I want? First Peter. Yeah, that's right. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. All right? And uh, Jesus is the light that came into the world. You know that by uh, John, uh, John 1, 11, and 12. I'll read that for you. Jesus Christ is the light. He brought it to light. He is the light. John 1.11 says, uh, He came in His own, His own received Him not. He said, verse 12, But as many as received Him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Now back up to verse 9. He says, That was the true light. That's what I wanted. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. All right, and the only way that that light could be manifest, revealed, you know how it was through? It was through a dark tomb. That's the only way that the light could be revealed. And when he came out of that dark tomb, he brought life and immortality to those who would believe the gospel. So if you believe the gospel, you know what you have? You have the light as far as knowledge, wisdom, and understanding goes. And you also have immortality. Isn't that a blessing? I know you look in the mirror, and some of you look in the mirror and think, man, I'm dying every day. <laughs> Sometimes you wake up and you go, man, I look like death warmed over. <laughs> but you have within you, you have immortality. And uh, that's because Jesus Christ brought it forth uh, through the gospel. And that's what Paul is talking about there in 2 Timothy verse one, uh, 10. Look at verse 11 here. He says, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Now that's Paul's ministry, threefold. He mentioned that in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul's a preacher. He's an apostle, and Paul is also a teacher. Now, here's a crazy thing, and I'm learning this slow, but I think I've got the lesson nailed down pretty good. Uh, only been here nine years. The real thing that people had against Paul, uh, the real thing that people had against John the Baptist, it wasn't his lack of friendliness, even though Paul, to the religious, he was rude in speech, wasn't he? He just flat out rude sometimes. But the thing they had against Jesus Christ and all those that follow him was their preaching. So when people come up to you and say, well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the road, but he's a good preacher that's transliterated in the originals. I can't stand the preaching. <laughs> it's exactly what that is. You can't sidestep it. You can't get over it. and You can't go under it. And what you need to get a hold of this morning is teaching does not make people mad unless they're a heretic amen if you're a heretic then well then you got a problem you know you got a problem with uh, Mormonism or JWism and Campbellitism and Calvinism and all that Pre uh, teaching does not make people mad uh, I was thinking back to when we had uh, first came here in 2014 and even uh, uh, we would pack out that fellowship uh, what is it called fellowship hall there We'd put up tables and all that, and man, we'd crank 50, 55 people on a Wednesday night. Crank them in there. You talk about great singing in that room, and you know, the, with the floors and it's reverberating. Some of y'all remember that? Man, just pile them in there like sardines, and everyone's there, and they have their coffee and their donuts, you know, and it's just like an AA meeting with a religious twist, you know what I mean? And I mean, it was just great, and then, oh, yeah, you know, man, we're getting, I'm thinking, 
think, man, we're doing something here, you know what I mean? You know, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I know what we need to do. We're too, we're too stuffed in here. Let's go in the sanctuary. As soon as we brought it in here, <laughs> done. You know why? This is preaching. You see that? This is a sanctuary. That's teaching out there. Teaching don't make people mad. It's preaching that makes people mad. So let's take the greatest teacher and preacher in the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, and see what he preached and see how people liked it. Amen? Uh, first of all, <clears throat> look at Matthew chapter 12. Now I want you to see, first of all, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 2, every time Jesus preached, religion disagreed with him. Every time Jesus preached, religion disagreed with him. Now, I've got this, uh, this group in town called Iosco, I'll say it wrong, Iosco Ministerial Association. And man, they keep knocking on my door and sending me mails, and I know the clown that runs that outfit, and he's a clown for sure. He's an Anglican. He's an Anglican bishop. I don't care if he bakes a good apple pie or good steak or what. You know what he, he keeps trying to do? He's like over there in the book of Nehemiah. He's like Sanballat the Horonite. Come, let, let, come, join us. Join our association, you know? That's what he says. Join our association. You know, I look at the association. You got charismaniacs on there. I'm sorry, charismatics on there. You got Episcopalians. Uh, you got some shirt-tailed Catholics on there. And the most of sorry, ladies, but it's mostly run by women. That ain't your place if you're a preacher. You got a lot of good places to be, amen, and the pulpit ain't one of them. And they keep calling, and they keep sending emails, and, oh, Pastor, Reverend Evans, I ain't Reverend, knock it off. But religion disagreed with him. Here's a problem with that. Well, Pastor, you know that if you join the Iosco Ministerial Association, you'd get about 1,500 more likes on your Facebook page. Who cares? I didn't become a pastor to get likes, shares, and subscribes. <laughs> Amen. I wish that, there is a, is there a thumbs down on that thing now? I wish there was, man. I'd get excited if we exceeded our thumbs up. I know some of you don't like that, that's all right. <laughs> Matthew 12, 12, the Bible says, But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Look at Matthew 19, 3. Every time Jesus preached, religion disagreed with him. Amen. That 19.3, the Bible says, The Pharisee also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? You know? Uh, the real thing that people hate about Jesus Christ, and you got to get this, got, if you don't get anything else out of the teaching today, is that people hated his preaching. Was not Jesus Christ the nicest, can I say it like this, the nicest guy in the Bible? He was. So when people come here, and they park a little bit, and then they go, stop thinking it was because you were friendly enough, because you're the most friendly bunch you ever met. I'm serious, it's a heart attack. I watch, I watch you people. You go up there, and man, you, not only do you have on your Sunday best, you have your Sunday face on, and you're talking to people, and you're trying your best to relate to people because you love people, and what drives them away is not you. It's the preaching. And if you're going to be a real preacher, you're going to have to preach this book and that thing slices and dices and all the rest of that stuff. Now, look, we don't try to be a jerk, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to preach truth, it's going to divide. 
And when Jesus Christ preached, religion disagreed with him. Not only that, uh, look at Matthew 23. When Jesus Christ preached, his preaching was vicious. Do you ever stop and think uh, how soft this generation is? <laughs> I mean, we don't even have to talk church, but that's what we're gunning at, right? Let's just talk work. Do you ever stop and think how soft our generation is? You ever look at the generation coming up and going, God help us if they have to hold a job? Right? So translate that into the sanctuary. Translate that into the ability to digest truth. It's the same gear. It ain't happening, is it? Uh, and that's because when Jesus Christ preached, his preaching was vicious. Bible says in Matthew 23, 17, Jesus Christ is uh, giving it to the Pharisees. Religious people now. Some, so, I don't know how you read the Bible, but sometimes you're going to have to assimilate yourself into the crowd that he's preaching with. Amen? I don't like it and you don't like it. And he's preaching to what? Religious people. You see, the, you see the type? I got to assimilate myself with the Pharisees sometimes, even though I'm not going to be a Pharisee, you know. I don't want to be a sad, you see, because they're always sad, you see. Anyways, but he says in Matthew 23, 17, um, ye fools and blind. <laughs> I have no idea the inflection, right? That's why text messaging is terrible anymore. You know, you have no idea if they're happy, if they're upset, if they're mad, if they're being sarcastic. Well, you read that, ye fools and blind. I'm pretty sure he didn't say, ye fools and blind. <laughs> right? Probably saying, ye fools and blind. Right? That's how I hear it. For whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. That's what I hear. And when Jesus preached, man, he was vicious. Look at Matthew 12. Back to Matthew 12, verse 34. When Jesus Christ preached, he was a junkyard dog. <laughs> he scattered people. His preaching was vicious, and he scattered people. If you want to take the disciples as the first church in the Bible, right? Uh, uh, you know, with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of, there was one devil in there. And there was one uh, leader in the church that denied him, right? And when Peter denied him, guess what he did? He took half the church fishing with him. <laughs> right? You see it? It's all there. But uh, Matthew 12, 34, when Christ preached, he scattered people. He was scattering. 12, 34, he says, Oh, generation of vipers, how can, you be ev how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Jesus got to preaching, and those that listened, a lot of them headed for the hills. Amen. He sure did. How about this? Look at Matthew 15, verse 14. When Jesus Christ preached, he was sarcastic. You know what people hate? You know what Christians hate? Sarcasm. They do. You know why? Because it dents your piety. It dents your, it dents your pride. It does. Now listen, when your kids did something wrong, weren't you sarcastic? Weren't you stern with them? Weren't you sarcastic? You clean your room? Yeah, I did. Sure you did. It's as sarcastic as the day is long, right? Do you use hyperboles? The Lord uses hyperboles. Don't you use, uh, well, that's hyperbole. Jesus called Herod a fox. Don't you call your kids pigs? Your room looks like a pig pen, right? Oh, but the preacher can't do that, right? I'm talking about this general. I'm not talking about y'all. Relax, huh? 
bulletproof vest here. But he was, uh, he was sarcastic. Matthew 15, 14. He says, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Or doesn't it describe a lot of religion in this town? Can you imagine you're sitting behind a fellow that had his collar on backwards? Ha, ha, ha. Right? You see what I'm being? I'm being sarcastic, ain't I? And you know what? There's some people that used to go to church here, and they would get mad at that stuff. That stuff has taken people to hell by the carloads, friends. And you better learn to laugh at that stuff and then go home and cry because your neighbor's going to hell because he's wrapped up in it. That's pretty good Latin, wasn't it? I didn't even know what I said. I probably just cussed or something. Amen. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the disciples talked to the Lord about the religious fakers of his day being all offended. That's what he said. He said, leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. They're both going to fall in the ditch. How about this? I'll give you number five. When Jesus Christ preached many times, he was rude. He was rude. Now, uh, he, now, this is one of the telltale signs of the Laodicean church period, so everyone just brace for it, all right? One of the telltale signs that you're in the Laodicean church period, if you preach anything at the women, they get all mad at you. Now, I can sit here, at, and see, this is, what, this is what distinguishes a man. Now, look, if all I ever did was kick this stuff, I'd be a jerk for doing it. But if you do it at the right time, when the Holy Spirit tells you to and shows you, then it's the right thing. But now how you tell a man is a man is he sits there and he takes it. Amen. Even when his wife's given it to him. Now if he's a mouse, he's always got to mouth off and try to weasel out of it. But a real man is like, yeah, I don't like you. I'd like to punch you in the nose. Hey, man, you're right. Right? Real man's honest. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're ugly and your mama, did, but, I, but you're right. Right? He doesn't have to like the delivery, but a man has the ability to, that's the truth. And real men, you know what they'll say? Man, that's the truth right there. Amen. That's what they say. It doesn't mean the man is the truth. It means the message coming out of the man's mouth that should have the power of God on it should be the truth. Amen? But he was rude. Look at here in verse uh, Matthew 8, 22. <clears throat> Matthew 8, 22. He was rude. And uh, Laodicean church period, it's, uh, sorry gals, it's women run. And uh, that's why God made a man and a woman. And that thing will balance out. Because if you let a woman run the thing, it'll be too emotional. And if you let a man run the thing without any input from the woman, it'll be so calloused and so blustering and beating that it won't be worth anything at all. But Jesus, uh, when he preached, he was rude. He said in Matthew 8, 22, But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Pretty rude, wasn't it? Guy's father died. Jesus was like, Follow me, man. Don't worry about that. They'll bury him, you know. How about this one, Matthew 16, 3? When Jesus Christ preached, he was offensive. He was offensive. He was offensive. Horrible. Very offensive. Matthew chapter 16, verse 3, the Bible says, And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites. 
Oh, you Baptists, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, when he preached, religion disagreed with him. His preaching at times was vicious. He scattered people. Uh, you say, well, what about all the multitudes? Well, yeah, you remember in the scriptures, you know a lot of times why they were coming? They were coming because of the miracles. They were coming because of the loaves and the fishes. And yes, Jesus Christ had the ability to, uh, to draw a crowd, but then again, he's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that's why the chief priests and the scribes hated his guts. They were envy, and that's why they delivered him up, because he had the ability that they didn't, because he had the power of God. And you read through the New Testament many times, he spent the night in prayer. Uh, he scattered people. He was sarcastic. He was rude. He was offensive. So we're just saying this. That's the greatest preacher and teacher of all times. And people say this, well, I, I just can't wait to hear Jesus preach. And then they can't sit under my preaching. And I love you. <laughs> and uh, I'm being serious. There's a heart attack here. Uh, people 20, even 20 years ago, people, preachers that were preaching 20 years ago would hear how I preach. And you know, some of them would. They, they'd scoff. They'd go, he ain't got no fire. He ain't got no zeal. They'd scoff at me. 50 years ago, they're like, okay. But... uh at any rate, that's how it is. But uh, now turn over to John sh uh, 6 here. I want you to see this. The Lord preached so hard sometimes it was ridiculous. John chapter 6. I know some of y'all are familiar with this, but it's, it, you, you got to see it. You got to see it and you got to keep that thing balanced. You got to understand it's like the one preacher said uh, when it comes to truth, you have to be willing to take the truth no matter what donkey is delivering it. Of course, the context is Numbers chapter 32. Balaam, right? His donkey was telling the truth, right? So sometimes a donkey will get in the pulpit and tell the truth, and you ought to take it whether he brays loud or not. <laughs> Matthew, uh, uh, John 6 is where I was headed. John chapter 6. While you're going to John 6, I've probably said this before, but one fellow, he was a kind old man. He came to me one Sunday looking like, uh, looking down at the floor. And I've kind of learned that over the last nine years that when someone comes to you towards your office, first of all, people don't come to my office generally, and then they come to you like this. It doesn't mean their neck's hurting. <laughs> he looked like someone had just run over his puppy dog, and he said to me, Preacher, uh, he says, I'm just letting you know we're, We've been looking for another church. And I'm thinking, me too. No, just kidding. And, uh, and I said, uh, just as straight as I could, I said, what happened? You know, what happened? Something happened. People don't just come up and tell you that because uh, there's nothing else to talk about. I'm like, what happened now? And uh, he, says, uh, he says, well, <clears throat> we've been thinking. I'm like, there's one guy in the room. We've been thinking, uh, you're just too hard on other men's religions. And I looked at him straight as the arrow, and I said, thank you. I took it as a compliment, right? I mean, we're not here to pump up the Catholics, the Methodists, the whoever else you can think of. I say, amen. He says, well, uh, he, says, uh, hey, he says, I didn't mean it that way. I said, brother, when other men's religions are taking people to hell by the carloads, I don't think you could be hard enough. I don't think you could. 
uh, said uh, Jesus was hard on the Pharisees. He was hard on the scribes. He was hard on the Sadducees. Uh, he was hard on the chief priests. He was hard on the high priest. Amen. He called Herod a fox, got in front of Pilate and said, you wouldn't even have any power unless I gave it to you. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, yes. And if you said it like Jesus did, well, then it would be okay. I says, oh, okay. I said, well, I wish you the best. He said, you didn't try to keep him? The iron made up his mind. He said, what was, it, what, what was the real problem? They just want to put handcuffs on you. I can't preach with handcuffs. You have to put, you know, lip cuffs, I reckon, or duct tape. And, uh, but at any rate, they just want to put handcuffs on me when I preach. And so when people get like that, I, you say, why you say that? Well, I just can't wait to hear Jesus preach. Well, maybe so, maybe so. I said, hey, brother, well, you, got, you got any scripture? Maybe you can help me out with this. I'm going to look at it. You got any scripture? Maybe we can sort this thing out. He got mad. He said, well, if you won't take my word, then we have a problem. I said, okay. I said, imagine that. Uh, <clears throat> he got mad because a Bible-believing preacher asked another man that came to him with a problem for a scriptural remedy to the problem, and he got mad because I wouldn't take his word. And that's what we're dealing with now. Amen. Collectively, in 2023, you and I are dealing, stay with me now, we're dealing primarily with women-run homes, and the men don't rule, and the men just roll over and play dead. And uh, I just preached a message on five sins that a woman is tempted to commit that a man doesn't face. And I go back that year, and I've seen maybe two messages I preached to the women specifically. And I'm always preaching the hide off you men. And uh, Mama had had enough, and uh, he didn't want to sleep on the couch anymore. So I said, well, brother, I hope you find what you're looking for. You say, that's rule, that's crude. I know, right? It's vicious, right? That's sarcastic, maybe a little bit. It's rude, it was offensive. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. You never know. But uh, you're at John 6. I'm just uh, letting you know, which you already know, that Jesus Christ was a really hard preacher. Uh, he preached so hard that he offended people. Now, look, I don't believe it's my job to go out of my way to offend people, but... If I simply preach truth, it will offend. How about this? When I try to offend people, it does a different thing altogether. If I let the book and my preaching offend people, I won't even know I'm offending them. Uh, John 6.60, look at this. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before... It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's a great verse. You ought to underline that and memorize it or something. Uh, we've tried this uh, for a while now. It seems to have improved a little bit the uh, environment here. But uh, as soon as you leave, we play Scorby through the sound system until we come back. It takes about uh, three days, the, uh, the, the music player says, to go through the Bible. So by the time you come back, um, Scorby will have recited the Bible about two and one-third times. You say, is this a kind of glory coming? I don't know. It's just you're clean through the words that I've spoken. The words that I speak under their spirit, their life. I don't know the history of this building's got. Man, it probably ought to run while we preach. <laughs> this building's been here so long. My goodness. <laughs> Look at 64. But there are some of you that believe not. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Verse 66. From that time many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. That's a tough verse. First of all, it's tough because you got disciples that were following Jesus Christ. They cut loose. They headed for the hills. And then you have the numerology effect. You see that's John 666, right? course only in the King James Bible so the preaching got too hard instead of going Jesus way they went the way of what they went the way of Antichrist John 6 6 6 you see when you don't go Jesus's way there's no middle ground there's no limbo you don't just put it neutral you're either going forward for Jesus Christ or you're going the way of the devil all right look at 2nd Timothy chapter back 2nd Timothy chapter 1 try to move forward here 2nd Timothy chapter 1 <clears throat> Bible says, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12. For the which cause, the which cause what? Verse 11, right? For the which cause, I'm a preacher, apostle, and teacher. That's the which cause he's talking about. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. Man, ain't, ain't that a statement? <laughs> For I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see the confidence in Paul's, Paul's voice? You see it in his writing, I know whom I have believed. Man, these guys were confident. They were persuaded. They knew what, uh, they knew what they had. That doesn't sound like a lot of Christians today, like people you meet on the street. Uh, are you saved? Hope so. Are you saved? Well, I go to church. <laughs> You hear that all the time. Are you saved? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? I was baptized. I'm like, oh, me too. But that's not what I asked you. <laughs> right? He says, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And that day, Paul's talking about here, is the day of Christ. And typically the day of Christ, you'll find, has a reference to the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. But you can go to 2 Thessalonians. What is it? Chapter 2. And that thing will also include the day of the Lord. So that thing's a dual thing. And, uh, <clears throat> but Second uh, Timothy 1.12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. The which cause. The which cause. That goes back to verse 10, because he has had death abolished and now has life. And the which cause is also verse 11, because he's a preacher and a teacher and apostle. And he says, For the which cause, in verse 12, I suffer all these things. So I want you to think about this before we close this morning. When you get saved uh, or get called into the ministry, or let's just say you're saved and you've decided to sell out for Jesus Christ and serve him, and kind of like we preached last week, go after it. That's the text in Joshua chapter 3, go after it. Uh, There are some things that you're going to have to suffer, and uh, this is a difficult thing, and these things that you suffer, they're going to be outward. Uh, Maybe, uh, number one, maybe it'd be persecution, persecution. Never forget that 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And uh, does that mean every time you get a flat tire, you're getting persecuted? No. Maybe it just means you hit a nail. See how simple that is? I know some people like, well, you know, I, I hit a deer, and it was the Lord. He was chastising me because, because what? You didn't put your tithe in? Stop it. Maybe you just hit a deer because it just was in your way. Maybe just you were going too fast. And it's close enough to the rut, right? <laughs> Everything that happens to you in a negative fashion is not the Lord just 
blistering your hind end. <laughs> People are crazy, man. But yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And uh, maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's just things as far as not having what this world has. You ever stop and think about that? You decide to live for Jesus Christ, maybe it's just going to be you're not going to have what your neighbor has. You say, well, they all have nice vehicles. and Oh, okay, well, <laughs> do you give to the Lord? Yep, sure do. All right, do they? No. They're given to their God. You're given to yours. See the difference? They're driving their God around, and you're laying it up for later. I'm just saying, and if you have a nice ride, praise the Lord for it, <clears throat> but uh, maybe you just won't have what this world has. And if you never get nothing uh, for serving the Lord, uh, I doubt that. But if you never get rich in the world uh, and you do something for Christ, you're going to have it laid up for you later. And that's, I think, if one, there's one thing that's really affected the body of Christ has been that idea. The world has sold us on we want everything now. And Christianity, you have to learn to lay that stuff up. You're not going to get it all now. And uh, <clears throat> he says, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, like I said, I don't think that means you're going to end up getting your fingernails ripped out. Amen. I don't think they're going to stuff your sinus cavities full of gunpowder and blow your brains out. I mean, it could happen, but I doubt it. I mean, all it did was take a little bug and it shut everything down. I don't think the fingernail pulling is the next thing on the map. Not here anyways. But you know what? Some persecutions are not to your physical body, are they? Some persecutions, I know for a fact, they're aimed at your spirit. And uh, people can persecute you without even harming you. And the closer you live for God, the more people will persecute you. And that's, that's uh, you find that in Acts chapter 21. We'll look at that next time we're together there. And uh, <clears throat> even the brethren will persecute you, won't they? <laughs> There's two things. There's only two things that the brethren can't stand about Christians. Are you ready? Number one, it's success. Number two, it's failure. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the brethren, they're a weird bunch. We are a weird lot. If someone is successful, uh, then, then many times the brethren hate it. And if the brethren fails, then that's, that's terrible. You see what I mean? And uh, as uh, the old man said, uh, some Christians would complain as you hung them with the new rope. But we'll stop right there in uh, verse 12. We'll pick it up next time we're together.